Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Welcome, everybody, to episode 34 of One Single Thought. We've got a great episode Episode 34. Episode 34, the big three-four. So, Heather, what is your favorite book of the Old Testament? Well, like most people, I love the book of Psalms because it's there if you only have a little bit of time to read and you don't have time to go into deep study. But Psalm is, Psalms is good for going into a deep study. But it's good for if you want to pray through something or if you're dealing with anxiety or if you just want to spend time praising God and it helps you to read through that. Psalms is great for that. So I really like Psalms. Lately, I have really come to appreciate the book of Jeremiah because I think we studied it. It's because we studied it in our BFG mm-hmm. of the yep. last few months. And I don't think I've ever really done a study of Jeremiah before. So I really have come to love that book. And also like Isaiah a lot because mm-hmm. it points to Jesus. There's lots of prophecy in there. But you? I would say that my favorite book was probably Esther, which sounds like a very cliche answer for a woman. Normally women will say, Ruth or Esther. Uh, but I love Esther because God's name is never mentioned, but he is in the background of the mm-hmm. whole goings-on of that book. And I just love the way that Esther prayed and fasted and made decisions and took steps to protect her people. Um, not in a rushed way, but in a way that was hopefully honoring to God. So I really like that book, which helps us to segue into today's episode that includes this episode today, ladies and gentlemen, includes another special guest interview. Yes, we are interviewing Dr. T.J. Betts, who is the Professor of Old Testament Interpretation at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. And he's also a member at Ninth and O Baptist Church, where Rose and I are members. And ABC.org. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yes. And along with being a member of our church, he also is a regular, uh, he teaches the Open Bible Study, a large group Bible study on Wednesday nights mm-hmm. uh, at our church. And he has also preached several times. So he's a a wealth of knowledge in Old Testament and just a little bit about Dr. Betts. Before he came on staff at Southern Seminary, he was pastor of churches in Ohio and Indiana for more than 14 years. He's authored a few books as well. One is Ezekiel the Priest. He's also authored two books on books of the Bible. So one on one on the book of Amos. So the book is called Amos. He didn't write the, the book, book of, of Amos. Amos in the Bible, <laughs> but he wrote a book about Amos. But it's called Amos. And then he wrote a book called Nehemiah. And then he also wrote a more of a devotional type book, but it's 40 Days in Psalms. And he's currently writing for Lifeways Explore the Bible Study Series. So that's... Uh, the adult Sunday school curriculum, curriculum. Mm-hmm. which we use by the mm-hmm. way at our church. Yes. And he is also a regular contributor to the men's devotional stand firm. And he and his wife, Anne live in Southern Indiana. And we recorded this interview a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. but we will listen to that and we'll save our one single thought to the end of our discussion. When we come back, we'll, we'll share our one single thought based on what he shared with us. All right, let's listen to the interview. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Betts. 
So glad to have you on the show. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So let's start out by, if you don't mind, telling us about your calling to ministry. I know you've been a pastor and then also how God led you uh, into the world of seminary uh, teaching as a professor, training future ministers. Can you share with us about your calling to to that? Yeah, it's. Um, I'll try to make it short with it because it was kind of over stages. Um, when I was a teenager, I felt like the Lord was calling me to full-time ministry. I, I just thought it would be a pastor. Um, I'm like a sixth generation Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. So, so I just assumed that, and I didn't know much about anything else in ministry besides pastoring. I mean, as far as full-time ministry, I knew missions and all that, but um, that's really what I had in my, my head. But um, anyhow, so I went to seminary and um, trained to be a pastor. And during seminary, I pastored a a small church for two years. And then my third year seminary, I became a a church planter or it was called New Church Growth. It was really a a place that had property and had a a building, but eight people. So it's kind of a a revitalization, but um, kind of a church start there all over again. Um, I started teaching at a high school um, during that time, the largest Christian um, school in America at that time. Oh, wow. Um, just to be bivocational to to help the church financially and for us to live also. And during that time, um, I fell in love with teaching in the classroom in particular. And during my time as a pastor, I had begun preaching through books of the Old Testament and I fell in love with the Old Testament. And so um, my father was uh, with the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission at that time, and they said they had a hard time finding PhDs in the Southern Baptist Convention who were Old Testament PhDs that believed in the inerrancy of Scripture. And so kind of marrying my love for the Old Testament, my enjoyment of the classroom, although high school wasn't what I really wanted to do long-term. I wanted to be about training people in ministry, and I, I sensed that. So all of that coming together, and then Dr. Moeller coming to Southern and the mm. conservative resurgence and and just what was going on there, kind of all those things kind of came together, and I thought, now's the time. And so I came back to Southern, and I uh, was there four years, and in my fifth year while I was writing my dissertation, they hired me to teach full-time. And so I'm in my 23rd year now at Southern doing that. I took your um, Old Testament class in 2003. And I remember it was the night the Iraq war started. You let us go early. So we'd go watch it in the lounge. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Way back. Way back then. (laughs) 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a great, that is actually such a cool testimony of how the Lord used different circumstances to, open up, I think, doors you never would have expected. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we know you're a professor of Old Testament interpretation. And obviously, we know you have a passion for teaching the Old Testament. How did you know and when did you know that was going to be your focus in studying and teaching? Yeah, again, it was when it was when I was uh, pastoring. I, I had a professor um, when I was working on my MDiv um, say he was a Hebrew professor and he t- told us he didn't, he thought he was wasting his time because none of us would preach from the old Testament. Mm. And, um, I'm so, uh, 
um, rebellious that if he told me I wasn't going to do it, then I'm like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I started preaching from the Old Testament and just really fell in love with it. The church, I could tell they had not had teaching in the Old Testament. And I began to realize that most people have not had much extended teaching in the Old Testament and preaching from the pulpit in the Old Testament. And so again, with the need um, in our seminaries and my love just for uh, the Old Testament as it grew and that that kind of all married together to lead me to that. And also, I love the Southern Baptist Convention. It bothered me a lot that there weren't any PhDs in the Old Testament that were actually inerrantists at that time that were teaching in our seminaries. And so that, too, um, had something to do with it. But really, I just had a love for the Old Testament. So, again, all those things kind of came together. So what was the topic of your dissertation? Um, I wrote my dissertation on Ezekiel. Um, mm. My supervisor is a, how should I say, a specialist in Ezekiel, an expert in Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. And so um, also I wanted to talk about, believe it or not, is there, were there any pastors in the Old Testament and the concept of it? And I believe actually priests were the closest thing because for two weeks out of the year, they served in, in the temple. Or, um, but for the rest of that time, they were back where they lived teaching the people the law. I saw them kind of as local, the closest thing to local pastors. And if you look in Leviticus and Ezekiel, the, the um, qualifications for priests are similar to the qualifications for pastors and elders in Titus and Timothy. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to do something that had kind of something to do with pastors and that he was an Ezekiel guy. I kind of brought those together again um, to do that. So I wrote was, my dissertation on Ezekiel, the priest. Was it Dr. Block by any chance? It was. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Was. Block. Yeah. He actually filled our pulpit when, one Sunday in between before we called Dr. Cook. So. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you just mentioned you've both been a pastor and a professor. And right now, you, I know you teach our Wednesday night open Bible study at Ninth and O. You're also teaching seminary. So what's that like for you? How, what are your feelings on teaching seminary and also teaching at in a church setting. Um, so I know Dr. Cook does that because he's a he's our senior pastor, but he's also a New Testament professor. And so what's that like for you? Yeah, it's it's like it's like the best of both worlds. It's just fantastic mm -hmm. for me, actually. I, I enjoy it a great deal. I mean, I, I want to train people how to teach and preach the Old Testament uh in their ministries. And so typically in my classes, I'll have you know, anywhere from five to 10 people that are from other places other than the United States and, mm. and at least have that. That's just kind of typical and maybe more. So having the, the opportunity to train people for ministry in other countries and then, of course, uh, people that are Americans that are called to the mission field to be able to teach them and encourage them in that. And then to encourage pastors um, and other people that are going to be on church staffs here, even in the States, it's, it's a great joy to do that. And so that, that's really something that is near and dear to my heart. And I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to do that. And it's just an amazing thing. Then uh, the thing is though, what I don't get to do much of, in fact, very little of um, just because of the nature of seminary education 
So I don't get to just do verse by verse studies at the seminary. We just don't have time to do that with the curriculum and such. Um, we teach them how to study the Bible and we teach them the major um, themes and areas mm -hmm. of it. But we don't have many classes that just go through like a verse by verse kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I get to do that at ninth and O. And um, it's just really fantastic uh, for me to get that. I just am really blessed to, to have that opportunity and and to mm -hmm. to see again um, what I'm teaching at the seminary. I'm teaching them. Hopefully, they can with everything else they learn, not just in Old Testament class, but in their other classes, putting that all together to do what I'm doing on Wednesday nights. And so mm -hmm. that's that's a great thing too. So I, they both feed each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we definitely benefit from that being a part of the congregation and members of Ninth and O just to hear from scholars um, in, in the pulpit and then also in, in just in going to Bible studies and hearing from people who have studied. So you're also an author. So can you just name some of the books that you've written? Yes, I, I did write, have a, I, my dissertation is published, the one on Ezekiel, Ezekiel uh -huh. the Priest, the Custodian of Torah. I don't recommend it unless you <laughs> really want to read a dissertation. Um, it's it's more technical and, and such. But um, I also have a book on Amos, An Ordinary Man with an Extraordinary Message, um, and then a book on Nehemiah, um, which is just really a expositional um, study of that, um, just teaching through the book of Nehemiah. And then finally, um, I have a book on the Psalms that really takes, uh, it's Psalms 1 through 50, it's 40 days in, this, in Psalms 1 through 50, and just able to go through those, kind of devotional, but a little more than devotional, really going through each passage and and talking about what's the main meaning and point of these and, and with just mm -hmm. some application questions. And then my most recent book that just came out last month, I guess, today's the 2nd of October. Mm -hmm. So it's in September, about a month ago, How to Teach the Old Testament to Christians. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just really um, hopefully helping people um, who teach in the church or on the mission field or what have you, teach the Old Testament, just kind of giving them a tool that might be able to help them think about the issues involved with it, why do it, and how to go about doing it as well. Well, we both have our copy right here. We don't have video for the audience, but yeah. we have it. <laughs> so your newest book you mentioned was How to Teach Old Testament to Christians. That came out September 5th. Kind of seems like a dream book for you to write. Because it's really kind of encapsulates, you know, what your calling is and teaching others to teach how to teach the Old Testament. So can you share a little bit about how the opportunity came about to write this book? Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, actually. I, uh, Tom Rayner, um, who is the editor of several books that are geared toward training people in the church, um, and ministry and various things. Uh, Dr. Cook, you mentioned, wrote uh, a New Testament survey um, in that series. And uh, anyhow, they said they wanted to meet with me and we met via Zoom. And um, Tom just asked me, basically, what makes you tick? What is it if you could just, what is it you want to do more than anything else? And my answer was, I want to help people 
learn how to teach and preach the Old Testament. That's because that's what I see myself doing at the seminary. And that's really what I love to do. And then he turned to his assistant and said, that's a book right there. Let's set it up. <laughs> and I had, no, wow. I had no idea that that's what he was leading to. I, I'm a little dense, I guess. I should have been. Maybe, but, but that's how it happened, really. I, wow. I did not see it coming. He just asked me point blank, what, what are you about? And that was my answer. And he said, well, I want you to write a book on that. And so there it was. So that's that's how it came about. That's so cool. So, you know, looking through the book and reading the book, it, it's very applicable for lay people, right, in the local church. I think it speaks a lot to someone who's not, doesn't have seminary training or seminary background uh, to help them understand how to teach the Old Testament. And I know you mentioned earlier that part of the draw and the calling for you is that there were so few Old Testament uh, teachers that believe that the you know the Bible was infallible and teaching it as truth. So do you find thinking about it from maybe today's perspective, uh, do you find that many churches the Old Testament is really neglected when it comes to teaching? Uh, I, I think so. I, I'd like to think um, as Heather said, I was her teacher in 2003. I started in 2001 and started in 97 so i'd like to think that it's not what it was then um uh -huh. but it certainly is still the case I've, I've asked students of mine in surveys you know how many of you would say in your church that there was a lot of teaching in the old testament or or regular teaching i should say regular teaching uh -huh. from the old testament from the pulpit in particular and preaching I would say that it used to be maybe 25% said that, that there was, mm -hmm. now, I would say maybe 50% say that, mm. that they have, um, that I've been asking. So that's a good trend. It's going in the right direction yeah. and, and such. And so that's a good thing, but I've had over the years, I've had students ask me, you know, why should we even study the old Testament? And then, then I've, had uh, students admit to me after taking the class that before taking a, uh, an Old Testament class, they really didn't expect anything from the class to be really applicable to them as New Testament believers. And so um, there's still a lot of that. And uh, then there's a lot of, on top of that, a lot of mis misunderstanding about the Old Testament, which um, is a shame also. And I think that comes because of a lack of teaching as well mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. so i think i think um and then a, a lack of sometimes the right kind of teaching uh, with it as mm. well so um i don't think it's as bad as it was i don't I, i'd like to think that um but still it's it's really a, an important need i think what's the reason you think that people just don't teach is it fear or irrelevant like they don't think it's relevant or just uh or is it too too technical for them or just too much having to go through all the laws and all the the rituals and the crazy stories and all of that is that something that just turns people off or are they just ignorant <laughs> well i don't know if they're ignorant but i'd say all, all the i was gonna say everything you said but maybe not ignorant i will 
call them that. But, Ignorance. <laughs> but, but every everything else that you just said, and then some, I think all of those mm-hmm. are reasons. I think that just the the types of literature it is too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're long stories. Stories are, uh, they don't fit the way we typically preach. Um, Paul's much easier to preach, the way we're taught to preach. Um Paul tells you, this is what I'm about to say. He gives you two or three points. And then he says, this is what I just said. Mm-hmm. And you kind of follow that. And it makes, you know, it makes for a sermon really easy, uh, easy, easier anyhow than the Old Testament. I think everything, the the, the content of the material is difficult. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, people say, just give me Jesus. And, and they don't understand. I don't think that that a part of a Christ-centered life is being obedient to his word and living a Christ-centered life. And so the teaching of scripture that gives instruction, um, people say, I just want it if it talks about Jesus, but they don't understand that uh, the life in Christ is centered upon the instruction of God's word mm-hmm. and that there's nothing more Christocentric as the word a lot will use than living according to God's word. And that is living a life um, and the way that Christ lived his life and set an example for us as well. And so it, it is interesting. Jesus said that I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to give full expression to it. And so when we understand what that full of expression is of the instruction that's given in the Old Testament, um, that really is Christ. It, it, it really is mm-hmm. following in the steps of Christ. And so I think sometimes people miss that. They want every passage to say this is saying something about Jesus when really what it's often doing is showing us what it means to live like Christ and uh, that says a whole lot I think in my opinion a lot about Christ um, by understanding that so anyhow um, I think that all those things are issues of what you Mm -hmm. said yeah so if someone is going to teach the Old Testament what is one of the the most important things someone would need to consider when they're teaching from the Old Testament I would say, I mean, you look at the book, I think there are several important things to, to keep in mind. But one, I, I, I think the most important is the first thing I talk about in the book, and that is that it's God's word. And God's word is eternal. It's inerrant. It is for our instruction. Paul talks about the scriptures in 2 Timothy 3. And he says, not only is it God breathed, but it is profitable. And so the Old Testament is profitable for New Testament believers, for for instruction, for correction, for training in righteousness, for rebuking us in wrong behavior, with with wrong behavior when that uh, occurs. And so, and it's good for training us for the work of the ministry, equipping us for the work of the ministry. And so, I think that's the thing to remember, that it is God's word. And everything that we can say about God's word is true about the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And that makes it essential um, for us. It's not an option. It's it, it's essential. In your, in your section, so when you're talking about um, preparing to teach the Old Testament, you know, considering that it is God's word, the, in your in part two of your book, you talk about using a model very similar to what a journalist would use when covering a, a story, who, when, where, how, what, why. Can you briefly explain how somebody would prepare to teach using that model? Yeah, I I, I think that the, the main thing to keep is what is our goal? And, and when you're teaching, 
the first thing, uh, a teacher is always a learner, is a student. And so in order to teach it, really, it's what has God taught you. And those questions, the journalists ask those questions because they're trying to get at what's the meaning, what what happened here, what what's what's significant about this. Um, those questions are really asking the, of the text, what does the author mean? What's the meaning of this? How are they? And all of the the questions: who, what, where, when, how, and so what, and and why. All these questions are. Uh, questions that help us get to what does this mean what what does the author intend to say what 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 are they saying to us and um i think they help us get at the main point of it and uh i i think also uh, we we can get off point by trying to follow a whole bunch of different things down a path that doesn't keep us on the main point and and looking at what does this mean what does the author mean and so I think those questions, if we keep in mind, this is why we're asking these questions, because the human author is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the divine author, and we want to know what it means. And so you can't teach something that you don't know and don't understand mm -hmm. yourself. And so I think those yeah. things help you do that. Yeah, that's very good, especially when you're you're tackling something like the Old Testament, when it could be more complicated to have a simple way to break it down really helps for sure especially with the stories that you talked about earlier. It's a great way to break down those as well. So do you remember the passage from the first sermon that you ever preached from the Old Testament, what that was? I don't. I don't. Oh. I'm, an old, I'm an old person, Rose. I don't remember. <laughs> you asked, what? Okay, so asked my wife, Anne. I, there, yes. I don't remember anything. <laughs> I don't remember anything I should remember. So I... I, I was trying to remember what even the first sermon I preached. I, I think it was from, I, I really don't even know it. I know it was a topical sermon, which is terrible. You're never supposed to preach it. But it was about don't worry. So I think it was be anxious for nothing is what I, I preached my first sermon. Um, and now, ever since then, I've had to remember that in my own life uh, all the way through, not to be anxious about things. But um <laughs> But I think that's my first sermon, but no, and I'm sure whoever heard my first sermon um, on the Old Testament probably didn't want to remember it anymore either. So, <laughs> I think it's probably good I don't remember and probably good no one else does as well. So. <laughs> well, so this may be a hard question, but what would you say is your favorite Old Testament book? Since I am an old person, you're going to have to give me leeway. I turn, I turn, I have a birthday next week. I turn six. Yes. So. Oh well. So, okay. So um, I'm I'm going to give you four I have that are my favorites. Wow. Okay. 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 So, but but if you now be down to one, I usually say Ruth. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I tell people I'm a hopeless romantic. Well, there's more to the book oh. than romance, but I love the book of Ruth. I really enjoy Nehemiah. So I wrote a book on Nehemiah. Mm -hmm. I enjoy Ecclesiastes a great mm -hmm. deal. And I enjoy Amos, of course. And so mm -hmm. two of the books I wrote are books that I really like a lot. Mm -hmm. So, but um, they're not all the same. You can tell Ruth and Ecclesiastes and then Amos and Nehemiah, they're not <laughs> all the same. But yeah, so I've got one from the history. I've got one um, one from actually two from the history, 
one from the the prophets and one from the wisdom literature. So I've got I've got them covered. I don't have one from the Pentateuch though. So okay. there you go. <laughs> so I'll ask this as a, a kind of a bonus question. Since she did write forty days in Psalm, do you have a particular Psalm that is your favorite? I, I'm thinking about Psalm forty three. 4243 that comes to mind to me um and again it's just a a reminder that uh when we feel like when we're discouraged that we can put our hope in god and mm -hmm. yeah so that's 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 probably my favorite psalm to look at well we'd be remiss not to mention that you also teach hebrew at Southern, you know, for a lay person, there, there's not many Christians who have that understanding of biblical Hebrew unless they're, they've been in seminary at some level. Do you think it's important for a teacher? So just maybe a Sunday school teacher, or someone's teaching Bible study to have a basic understanding of biblical languages, or is it okay just to kind of get by with what you can Google <laughs> or are there resources that would be good for someone who would like to, to, dabble in that without going to a seminary level? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, here's my approach to, to everything with the scripture, um, including the biblical language for, for people in the church and not just seminarians. The more we know about the Bible, the better. Anything we can do to, to help ourselves better understand the text, then we should do it. Um, so mm -hmm. you could ask me the same question. Is it important to know the geography of the Bible? I think anything that we can do to better understand any everything. And so that's why you had mm -hmm. all those questions in my book, who, what, where, when, how, yeah. how and <laughs> what. And, and one of the, the issues is um, that I bring up is biblical languages. And I really had in mind, you know, lay people um, and uh, people that are, are not in seminary. For this book, even pastors who may have gone to seminary, but to kind of help them and encourage them in what they do. With that being said, uh, um, Dr. Adam Howe, who goes to Ninth and O as well, Adam was my um, student, and he is just becoming, I mean, has become a, a great Hebrew scholar, but he's hes on his way to being one of the best um, there is out there. Um, he's really putting a lot of work in that. Mm -hmm. And he he oversees on online Daily Dose of Hebrew. I think it's Daily Dose. Um, I don't think it's a Daily Dose. I think it's Daily Dose of Hebrew. And on there, they give, they, there's a place where they give simple lessons through mm -hmm. um, Hebrew that's introductory to it. And they walk through the text and explain it. And and help you work through it slowly, verse by verse. And, mm -hmm. and so those are options. Bible Hub, I think it's called BibleHub.com. Um, mm -hmm. I mentioned it in the book. Um, it's a great resource. It's not going to teach you Hebrew, but you can do um, word searches. They'll help you do word studies real easily. And I give simple directions in that in the book. So it's just a few clicks and you can get a lot of information for that. And so if you want to learn Hebrew and, and not go to seminary, um, I would check out um, Daily Dose. 
Um, if you want to use Hebrew for word searches, then mm -hmm. I would check out Bible Hub. Those are those would be what I would say very entry level mm -hmm. places to go for people who, well, that's about that that's where they want to be. And uh, of course, if you want to do more, there's a lot more that can be done as well. But for for someone that's that's interested in it, those are things. But the the more that you learn the languages, um, the better. I mean, I, I see this all the time. Um, I've tried to, I took four years of Spanish. When I try to speak mm -hmm. Spanish to someone, and I'm terrible now, um, I told a friend of mine that speaks Spanish, it's his first language. I said, I speak like a two-year-old. And he said, no, two-year-old speaks better Spanish than you. <laughs> and so no doubt about it. But, you know, sometimes you'll say something and even the nuance of the word I use has a different nuance than usage does and so it might be a, a a word that's sort but it's not exactly on in any um language no language um actually does justice complete justice to another language and in other words mm -hmm. if someone's speaking that english is not their first language and they say something to us sometimes we'll realize they're kind of close and we get what they're saying, but they're not saying the exact word that we would use for that. And, mm -hmm. and so that goes with Hebrew. Um, when the more we know Greek and Hebrew and, and of course, Aramaic um, as parts of the old Testament as well, it, it, uh, it will help us um, just get the nuancing of the language. And, mm -hmm. and so do you have to, well, no, but will it help you? Yeah, it, it, it will. It's helpful and, and very useful. And the better you get at it, the more useful you find it to be. But with our electronic age and digital age, I guess I should say, there are plenty of, like I said, BibleHub.com and then mm -hmm. Daily Dose. And those are some really great places that if you're interested to mm -hmm. just jump into. The Bible Hub is kind of an interlinear. Is that a kind of a interlinear translation? Well, it has, or? it had has tons of stuff. I mean, okay. uh, it has more than inter. I mean, it does have interlinear, but um, mm -hmm. it really has tons tons of uh, of stuff to to go through. And um, I would say, if you're going to look at um, a text, that's helpful. But a place like the problem with Hebrew, Hebrew reads. Um, from right to left, and we read from left to right. And so interlinears for Hebrew especially mm. are odd. Because yeah. You're going two different directions <laughs> with the words <laughs> with it. And so, of course, they're going to follow the English because we're English speakers, but um, that's not how the text would look. But I mean, certainly they have that. I honestly, before I ever even took Hebrew, interlinears weren't helpful to me. Hmm. Um, I found them confusing. Yeah, um, I, I have one and it, it does it. It actually the Hebrew is prominent. So you have to read English from right to left. And it really confuses me. Twist your brain around. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that maybe going to like a daily dose to kind of mm -hmm. if you're really interested and, and this using Bible Hub again for just word studies. And it's fantastic for that kind of thing. And you can even, if you have a digital Hebrew Bible, you see, you can just put your cursor over it and it will tell you what it wow. means and, and what it, 
it give you all the information on every word. To me, that's actually easier than yeah. interlinear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just take this out. what we can do today. Yeah, for sure. Well, Dr. Betts, uh, we just have one more question for you. And we like to, in our, in our podcast, every episode, we like to have one theme or one single thought, one final thought, just to kind of sum up what we're talking about. If you had a final thought that we could share with our listeners, what would that be based on what we've talked about? It would be, uh, I'm going to put it negatively, do not forfeit the blessing of the Old Testament and don't don't mm. neglect it. Um, don't overlook it. And I'll say it positively. Um, give yourself to it and you will be blessed by it. Um, do not mm. neglect it. Um, it's a part of the Bible. Give yourself to the entire Bible. People say, just give me Jesus. Well, if you want Jesus, then you need to start in Genesis 1-1 because it says there in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John tells us that Jesus was in the beginning and that there's not anything that was made that wasn't made by him. Mm -hmm. And so don't neglect the Old Testament. Um, give yourself to it and uh, you'll you'll be glad you did. And I will say this, you say you just want to know Jesus you'll know him better and appreciate him better and worship him with greater joy when you begin with the story in the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where the story begins. It begins mm -hmm. in the beginning. So there you go. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's thank awesome. You. Thank you too for having me on here. It's been a great joy. Thank you. All right, we're back. And that was a great interview, Rose. It really was. I love Dr. Beds. He is just, he's very pastoral for mm -hmm. a Old Testament professor, which I think you get a visual of somebody that's stuffy and yeah, not very personable. But I will say that he really makes the Old Testament very approachable. And he really, Dr. Betts always makes me want to read the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. When I sit in any of his classes or step, oh, well, not classes. I've not been to seminary, but his Bible studies, his Bible studies, yeah. when I sit under him in our services, when he preaches and typically he's usually preaching from the Old Testament, it just lights me up about the Old Testament because mm -hmm. he always brings out that it is, it, it connects to the, how much it connects yeah. to the New Testament. It's, it's all one story. Yeah. And I like what he said about people that just say, just give me Jesus. Mm. You can't have Jesus without the old Testament because Jesus upheld the old Testament and showed how it was pointing to him. So you mm -hmm. can't discard the old Testament. You have to have it in your life. Even though as Christians, we're not, we're not held to those ceremonial laws that the Israelites were held to, but we, we see that Jesus has fulfilled those laws and we yes. see how he has, he's brought in the new covenant. And so, you can't understand how important and how revolutionary the new covenant is without uh, understanding the old covenant and what, what it meant for Israel mm -hmm. with that spiritual freedom that came through Christ. And that then also that it was extended to the Gentiles, which is why mm -hmm. we're here today. And we couldn't, if it wasn't for Jesus, we would have no hope as Gentiles because the old covenant was for Israel. Right. Yeah. And then Jesus, 
quoted when he quoted scripture he was quoting mm-hmm. the old testament mm-hmm. so it was as you said he came to fulfill the law he did not come to abolish it he came to fulfill it mm-hmm. so that was just a really really great great interview just interesting and just to understand i think some of the ways that we as just lay people who aren't necessarily pastors obviously or even seminary students that we too can understand and teach and read the old testament yeah and so we're going to summarize what he said there at the end to turn into our one single thought which really touched us when he said that you know you should give yourself not to he said not to neglect the old testament but to give yourself over to it and you will be blessed by it and so we will say just very simply be blessed by the old testament be blessed by the old testament read it and study it and it will it'll change it'll it'll change your life because it'll point you to christ yep and point to your need for a savior Mm -hmm. all right Let's move on to your one random thought, Rose. Almost said Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> My one random thought today is short and sweet. Well, that's my thought. And it's short <laughs> and sweet. Psalm 117 is the shortest chapter in the whole Bible. And I'm going to read it because it's so short. So everybody knows that the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept, which is in the book of John and the Gospels in the Mm -hmm. New Testament. The shortest chapter is Psalm 117, and it reads, Praise the Lord, all nations. Glorify him, all peoples. For his faithful love to us is great. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that is the shortest psalm. So That's great. There's long psalms. In fact, just a couple... Down from that, 119 is one of the longest chapter in the Bible. But that's a that's a good little short chapter that is encouraging and mm-hmm. glorifying to God. That's great. So, Heather, what's your one Ricky thought today? It has nothing to do with the Bible, actually. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. But just to give us a little diversion, my one Ricky thought is, it's alive! <laughs> <laughs> have a printer and once a week the printer does a self-cleaning cycle mm-hmm. no matter where ricky is in the apartment ricky can be in a dead sleep but when the printer does its self-cleaning cycle ricky will jump up and run into the office <laughs> and look at the printer like it's alive wow and, and so he knows he, he knows, knows it's, the printer. Some, it's the printer and he doesn't understand how it's doing <laughs> it on its own it must be alive. He jumps up on top of the bookshelf where it sits, <laughs> pushes his face up as close as he can get, and is like, okay, what is going on? <laughs> it's making noises. <laughs> it must be alive. And that is my one Ricky thought. It must be alive. Wow. It's alive. But I, I've gotten to the point now where I'll be working in my office, and all of a sudden the printer will kick in, doing its self-cleaning cycle, and I start counting down. Three, two, one. <laughs> there he is. Ricky's right there. Now, does he come when the printer is printing? Or just... Yeah, anytime it's on, actually. I keep the printer turned yes, off, but it, yeah. then it'll automatically run its cleaning mm-hmm. thing. And Ricky's just really fast. I guess the noise kind of sounds like a little bird or something. Oh, I don't yeah. know, but he's very fascinated. Well, even if it's printing something, like 
it just to him it looks like it's just printing as something without yes. anybody doing anything to it yes. so he, that's another reason why he probably thinks it's alive yes yeah, sometimes they'll sit on top of it and watch it as the paper turns out <laughs> yeah anyway <laughs> all right back to the bible okay that was your ricky commercial that's right <laughs> what's our one single question so our one single question today is what is your favorite old testament story heather what's your favorite old testament story i love the story of joseph and his brothers mm. particularly chapter 45 is what i like because all this time joseph has risen to power in egypt he's he's a leader his brothers have come there for food they don't realize it's him joseph knows that those are his brothers that those are the ones that sold him into egypt and he finally gets to the point where he can't control himself he's been hiding his identity he can't control himself anymore and he he sends every all his servants he sends all of them out of the room and then it says that he wept so loudly that the egyptians heard it the whole household of pharaoh heard it and he tells his brothers i'm joseph is my father still alive and so they are reunited and there's forgiveness there and later on joseph says that what you meant for evil god meant for good and so that's a whole other level there how all the stuff that jo joseph suffered eventually god worked and worked for the good and which goes with other christian concepts mm -hmm. concepts we see in the new testament about how god works out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose so that's a really great story also the story of mephibosheth mm -hmm. that is one of your favorites yes it's in second samuel chapter nine and mephibosheth was the son of jonathan who was david's best friend jonathan was the son of king saul as we know, King Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle. And later on, when David is king, he wants to know, is there anyone who is still part of Saul's household? Does he have any descendants still left? Because of Jonathan, his best friend, I want to show kindness to his descendants. And they say there's one guy who, in the this name of Thibosheth, he had an injury to his feet when he was a child his feet were in bad shape and Mephibosheth he's you know he's basically washed up because his, you know he Saul is gone Jonathan is gone he's not going to be king and the the throne has been given to David so in chapter 9 verse 7 David says don't be afraid for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul and you will always eat at my table. And Mephibosheth says, well, wh what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? So Mephibosheth is like, I don't deserve this. Well, I'm nothing. I'm not, I'm not anybody that you should be recognizing. And David, he blesses Mephibosheth. He brings him in. He gives them everything that belonged to Saul. He gives them the land and the crops and everything. And Mephibosheth is allowed to eat at David's table. And so essentially Mephibosheth is treated like royalty because of who he was, who he belonged to, the lineage he belonged to. So David was showing honor to, to him, but also to Jonathan and Saul uh, because that was the kingly lineage um, originally. And 
it's such a it's such a sweet story, but it's also a picture of the gospel because Mephibosheth didn't deserve it. He was no longer in that kingly line. He's not going to inherit the throne, but David showed kindness to him and mercy towards him. And so that's such a sweet picture of the gospel that, you know, we don't deserve God's mercy, but he gives it to us. He brings us in. If we are, if we repent of our sins Mm -hmm. and accept Christ as savior, we can come and eat at his table and belong to him. And so that's, that's just a great story. So those two, those two stories. What's your favorite story? My favorite story is the story of Moses in the bulrushes. Oh, might've been the first story I ever learned from the Old Testament, but it's found in Exodus chapter two, I believe when Moses was born mm-hmm. and to give the backstory, Moses, uh, there was a mandate out from um, the Egyptian Pharaoh to drown every male Hebrew child. Mm-hmm. And so Moses's mom decided to put him in a, little basket an ark if you will a little miniature ark that she made and put him in in the Nile River and as he floated away he ended up being found and taken in by Pharaoh's daughter and from there God's ultimate plan was was Mm going to be implemented because of that but I think as a child I thought it was cool that Moses was protected and that his sister stood there mm-hmm. and watched what happened and went to Pharaoh's daughter and said, I can get you a, a nursing mother mm-hmm. to help with the child. And it, she was talking about his own mother. I just love the story. And it was something as a small child that was easy to understand. And mm-hmm. it was such a simple story then, but it's, I think, just a powerful story of how the Lord used that to put him in the place of authority where he was then able to be the one to lead the children mm-hmm. out of Egypt, the ch- yeah. Israel, Israelite children out of Egypt. And the foreshadowing um, of Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The, our, our foreshadowing of the savior. Yeah. So that's my favorite that's Old Testament great. story. All right. Well, that was a good episode and we will be back in two weeks on November 8th with another enthralling episode from One Single Thought. Until next time, don't follow your heart, follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 